Today's the 24th, so here's um, one quick verse out of Proverbs 24, verse 16. Even though good people may be bothered by trouble seven times, that means lots and lots and over and over. It doesn't mean just seven. They are never defeated, but the wicked are overwhelmed by trouble. So that's a good one. I'm grateful that you're here today, church, and um, for taking time to worship Jesus with us today. I really, really believe that some of you, many of you today, um, that the Lord is going to speak to you and he's going to minister to you in such a way that you're going to be different today after you've been in the presence of the Lord. And not because of what I say, uh, but I really believe, and I've, I've prepared for this message. I was working on this a month ago, and as I was in my study and working on it, I really ha- had a sense that the Lord was going to plan something special for today. I want to pray over our time together. Would you just agree with me? God, um, I lean strongly and heavily now into you. Lord, as we crack open your word and look at the Bible, um, we trust the fact that it says that your word will never return void. And it's your word that changes people. It's your, the power of your spirit that changes. So, God, I pray that as we just spend a few minutes together looking at your word, that whatever is flesh and of Terry here would somehow filter out, but that the power of the Spirit would speak to every single heart in, in a personal, customized way for every one of us. I know you'll do that to me while we're preaching, while this message is coming, and you'll do it also for every person here. I, I invite the power of the Spirit now in the name of Jesus. If you agree, you can say amen. Say amen. Okay. So today we're picking up in the third week of a series. The first two were before Lisa and I were gone. Um, that was focused on questions that Jesus asked. And I, I think it's interesting that when you read through the Gospels, you'll see that, that Jesus asks questions of people. He does it over and over and over again. And, and time after time, Jesus, you know, someone will come up to him and he tosses out a question back at people and uh, for people that were asking him questions. There are over a hundred different recorded questions you can read through if you want to count them. And, and uh, sometimes there are nerds like me that care about that kind of thing. Over a hundred questions about the, the, in the New Testament that Jesus asked. I, I think it's I mean, as a thought experience, I think it's kind of interesting that Jesus ever asked anybody any questions ever. Because as God, you know, I don't think he needed the answer so that he could have information. I think he had that information at hand. After all, he was there. Jesus was there at the creation of the universe. So I I don't think it was a quest for knowledge. Um, So 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 another question for us, I think, is why was he asking those questions? Do you ever have one of those teachers who asks you questions? They're supposed to provide the information, and they ask questions. What's the deal? Anyway, so Jesus was doing that. And I think when we are really, really honest about the answers to the questions that he asks, it's, um, his good questions become a, a way to help us find an answer to something, uh, we, and then we can launch us, launch us towards a journey of healing. In fact, I think the best way to find the truth is sometimes behind a well-worded question. And so in this series, I'm, I'm focusing on four of, I think, the most important questions that Jesus asked, and we're letting him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be counselors for us in this room. So the first week, we were talking about people that were in a storm, um, people facing a trial, and Jesus asks the question, why are you so afraid? And um, if that ministers to you, you can, our, our messages here are online on the church website. They're free, and they're there, so if you need them. Second week, we were uh, speaking about people who need a miracle, who need a touch from God, and ask 
Jesus asks the question, do you believe I can do this? And next week, uh, we're going to talk about what I think is one of the biggest challenges in the church today. I don't mean this church, I mean the church. And, uh, and yet it's one of the least talked about topics. And for people who have spiritual doubts, Jesus asks the question, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? And for today, I want to look at a guy who had been sick for 38 years, and Jesus asks him this seemingly insulting question, do you want to be well? He asked that question. I should mention, too, since that's what we're going to do next week, I'm working on this, and I don't have it all formed out yet, but um, following next week, I'm going to start a series um, about family, and uh, I think it could go four or five weeks about wise families, successful families, and um, I want to say that to you just in case that might minister to you. You might think, oh, I want to make sure I don't miss that, um, miss any of those dates. Um, And by the way, if you live alone, you're still part of a family. You probably are part of several families, maybe more or less. But I just want to say this is going to minister, I think, and probably in every individual. So I mentioned that to you. Today, we're looking at a guy who's sick, and Jesus says to him, do you want to be well? Now, I think it would be helpful today if you could kind of listen to um, what the Spirit might say to us through this lens of any ongoing, long-term challenge that you might have. I mean, I think... We all have different kinds of problems, and um, I'm not talking about short-term problems, you, you know, things that are going to be here and then they're gone again in a few weeks. I'm, I'm talking about ongoing long-term, an ongoing medical issue, you know. Maybe you have chronic headaches, maybe you have um, a depression that just won't seem to go at ongoing long-term, maybe a medical issue, or, or a problem with, a long-term problem with overspending, or or overeating, or overcommitting to things, or maybe it's some sort of an addiction, something that you just can't let go of, and you haven't been able to get over it, or maybe it's an ongoing challenge in a relationship for as long as you can remember, or a long, long time, a problem with your dad, or with a family member, or something uh, long-term. I'm asking you to listen to, to what the Lord might speak today through that kind of a lens. So imagine or be thinking about that. And we're going to believe that just in just a moment of the presence of Jesus, one moment in the presence of Jesus that we can be changed. So our text today is in, uh, is in John um, chapter 5, starting in verse 1. I'll read along and here, here it's up on the wall for you. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Now, I think about this for a minute. You know, it's a sheep gate, and there's a pool there. I don't mean to be critical, but anybody want to go swimming in that pool? You think about that for a minute. Um, Lisa and I were in the Teton parks, and there's lots of animals. And I'm thinking, I don't want to get any of that water there, uh, because the animals, anyway, so, okay, too graphic. Um, anyway, so there's this natural body. Verse 3. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And you might wonder, now, why are they hanging out here? Well, there was this tradition that in this location, every once in a while, this angel would come along and stir up the water. And when the water would start to bubble, the first person to get in the pool, and only the first person, would get healed. So that's what they believe. So you can imagine there would be people there. They might wait for days or weeks or 38 years. And and when the water bubbled, there'd be this chaos, this rush, this (laughs) stampede to be the first one in the water. And um, 
get healed. Verse 5, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him this, do you want to get well? (laughs) Now, I read that and I think it seems insulting, you know? I I know Jesus wasn't insulting this guy, but it's kind of like asking a hungry guy, hey, you want to go with me to McDonald's? Or a a really hungry guy, hey, do you want to go with me and have lunch at the buffet at the casino after church? Because I've been there one time, and man, that was two years ago, and I'm still full. And, you know, you can start with dessert if you want, and nobody tells you you can't do it. I mean, saying to a hungry guy, can I buy you lunch? And it's like, you know, that's kind of obvious. Or it's like Lisa saying to me, hey, honey, you want to make out? I mean, same thing. Why do you embarrass me like this? I don't know. Okay, really, okay, so it's a really obvious answer. Do you want to be, it should be a really obvious answer. Okay, Terry, move on. Okay, that was stupid. Foot is removed, back on the leg. Verse 7, sir, the envelope replies. Now, I'm thinking, please don't be critical of me, but when I read this, I think this guy's probably whining. I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. I know I sound so insensitive and I love it. I don't mean to be, but that's just how I picture this. He's white 38 years. While, while, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. A moment in the presence of Jesus, and everything changes for this guy. And today I want to talk to you about, you know, problems that persist. 38 years, this guy's problems continued. And in just one moment, the presence of Jesus changes everything for this guy. And I, I know I can see at least three significant problems for challenges that persist in our lives. So first one is this. The longer the problems persist, the more discouraged we become. I think some of you have probably had an ongoing problem that just won't go away. You know, you've prayed for a while, nothing happened. You, you tried what you thought might help and it stays there. And, you know, you tried to work on your marriage. You prayed, you were nice. You, you know, you went to church together, but it didn't get better. You're discouraged. And I think, I don't know if this is going to ever get better. Or you're dealing with some sort of physical problem and you've tried a doctor and then you tried another doctor, and then you tried another doctor. I've got a friend who's gone through something, and he's gone from doctor. I mean, it doesn't get better. And you get discouraged, and you're thinking, well, maybe this is just what God has for me. It can be really discouraging. The longer a problem persists, the more discouraged we become. The second thing is, the longer the problem persists, is the more excuses that we can make. You know, because... For, something, for some reason, we want to make excuses for why God hasn't done this for us, and it maybe attaches a place that we can kind of assign responsibility besides us. And that's what this guy, he says to Jesus, I have no one to help me. I can't walk. And when the water moves, you know, they all run past me. I can't get there. And I'm just left there completely helpless and hopeless, and I just, I'm just never gonna, this is never going to work out. Nobody helps me. And I, I don't want to be too hard on this guy. 
because I have not been in his situation. I, I, I haven't. But, but come on, 38 years. I would think after like 27 years, I would do something different. I mean, I mean, I mean I'm sorry, I don't really mean to be critical. Maybe he couldn't walk, but maybe he could roll or something. Or maybe he could talk somebody into, hey, drag me over there to the water. Put me on top of a rock so the next time I just lean and I fall in. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not really trying to be hard on this guy, but after 38 years, why hasn't he done something? And I just think that maybe I would try to do something to get there. I mean, I'm not the example to follow, but, but this guy, you know, he gets this place that so often we get. No one will help me. I just can't do anything about this. My marriage is never, ever going to get better. I've been to the doctor, and I've tried. I'm never going to get a better job because I don't have a college degree, or I went to counseling once, and it didn't help, or I even tried going to church two weeks in a row, and it didn't fix it. We laugh, but I hear that. I've tried everything, and I just can't get any better. The longer the problem persists, the more discouraged we become and the more excuses that we have tend to make. And then the third thing is this. The longer the problem persists, the more we tend to compensate. The more we compensate for that problem. And if I can be, you know, really direct, and I can do that sometimes, um, I think some of us can get really highly skilled at compensating for our problems. And here's an example. Um, and I have permission to talk about this. For most of Lisa's life, my wife's life, her father was what I would consider to be a high-functioning alcoholic. I don't know if that's an accurate term or not, but um, he's passed away now, and he, um, he overcame alcoholism, and he was dry for the last about 20-plus years of his life. But for most of his life, all of her upbringing... Um, he was what I would say was be a, a high-functioning alcoholic. And I don't know how to define that except to say that you know, he brought all of the problems of alcoholism into his relationships and his family. His family was a mess. His, the marriage was a mess. But when he went to work, he was able to be really good professionally at what he was hired to do. And enough that he could do his job, pull down his paycheck, do his work, and his employers were fine. They may have been aware of his problems, but he got the job done, and he got it done well. Highly functioning. So even though he had this ability to be highly functioning, he had this severe addiction that messed up an awful lot of things. And some people, I think, for example, in bad marriages, we learn how to exist in, in, in what is a dead marriage. You, know, you don't like it, but you accept it. It's just the kind of the way it is, you know, we say to ourselves. And, and, and yet, in the marriage itself, there's no common vision. There's no intimacy. There's no investment in the children. It's, it's almost like a business relationship where, you know, we've learned to stay. We're going to stay together for the sake of the kids because we've learned how to make this work. And we know how to manage it. So we're just going to stay in this. Or some of us have learned to um, compensate for overspending because... You know, people look at you and they think, man, you must be really successful. You got it going on. And they have no idea that you're living from paycheck to paycheck and you fill up one credit card and then you use another card to pay that off and then it's robbing Peter to pay Paul and you're compensating. I mean, 
And here's the problem. You cannot change until you actually recognize your problem. You are never going to change something which you are tolerating. You cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. One more time. You cannot change things you are willing to tolerate. And the bottom line is, that's where Jesus went right straight with this guy. Do you want to be well? Remember, this is after Jesus had demonstrated this long list of miraculous healings. He had demonstrated his ability by calming the storm and delivering this d- demoniac and healing, uh, raising the dead and healing the... He had this... Hitch. It wasn't about whether he was able. He, now he's focused on this guy. Do you want to be well? Because Jesus knew that you, you can't really make any forward traction with someone who needs help. You can really only make true difference for someone who wants help. I smoked cigarettes for a while when I was in high school because I was cool. (laughs) Cool enough to um, become attached, addicted, pick your word. And um, it was only a couple of years. Man, that was one of the, I'd say it was in the top five things in my life, hardest things to do was to quit smoking cigarettes. And people around me wanted me to stop. And I kind of wanted to stop, but I was willing to tolerate it. And I, could, I didn't stop smoking cigarettes until I was refusing to tolerate it. And I wanted to stop. I'm not saying anything to you about smoking cigarettes. I think it has nothing to do with salvation. I'm just saying for me, here's this example. I didn't want it. I didn't want to stop. Nobody could make me stop. I had to want to stop. Do you want to be made well? And I I think sometimes people ask, you know, what is the greatest hindrance? I hear this question. What is the greatest obstacle to real faith, Terry? What do you think? And I think some people would say doubt is the greatest obstacle. Another thing is that fear is the greatest obstacle to to, to faith. Or, Or maybe worry is the greatest obstacle. And those are all good answers. I think many times the greatest obstacle to faith, though, is the familiar the familiar, you know, can be the greatest obstacle of faith. I mean, I, I, I really think that it is. You know, here's this guy. You don't understand. For 38 years, I've not been able to do this. You don't understand. And then we give this resume of our excuses. <laughs> and the truth is, we don't like it. It's not like we're saying we want it to be this way. But we've managed, we've learned how to manage around those issues. You know, you just don't understand. I'm just an average student. I knew that in second grade. I'll always be average. Or, you know, you just don't understand. We struggle financially. My parents struggled financially. I struggle financially. Probably my kids are going to struggle financially. That's the way it is. Or, that's the way we are. It's part of our genetics. It's going to be that way for me and for my kids. And that's just, just how it is. Or, you know, I, I've tried to overcome this addiction. I just can't seem to do it. Now, here's the deal. Until your desire becomes bigger than your disability, you won't find healing. Your desire has to be bigger than your disability. Jesus says, do you want to be well? 
Now, I've got an example in my notes to talk about, and I'm walking out. I feel very tenderly on this because I feel like I'm on thin ice with you, but I'm going to be really transparent. And I don't want this to distract you, but I have this struggle every time I come to the freeway on ramp. <laughs> okay? There's so many places now in, in our communities, all over western Washington, where there's a person with a cardboard sign. And I care about these people. I think, every, I think 100% of the people there need help. I don't think 100% of the people there want help. And I get frustrated sometimes because I think, um, you know, here's some of the things I've seen. I've seen the same person day after day after day, and every day they're in new clothes. I don't mean new used clothes. I mean they're in new clothes. Um, I've heard conversations, and I know other people who have heard conversations in coffee shops like Starbucks, two people who, used to be, who, who were standing on the street corner earlier in the day, now comparing notes. How much have you made in the last couple of hours? And I've heard numbers in the hundreds. I'm thinking, these guys are making a lot more money than I'm making. Sometimes. Sometimes. I think I truly believe that some of these people are completely broken and they don't know any better. I think for some people, it's a lifestyle. And, and I care about every one of them. But I have this struggle in my mind because I think, do I help them? Do I not help them? Do I have compassion? Jesus says, you'll always have the poor with you. What is the right thing to do? And I sit in my car and there's a bunch of cars and somebody's handing money out the window and sometimes I confess this. This is wrong, okay? I confess this. I'm thinking, don't hand out money. But I don't know. Because it could be that Jesus has prevailed upon the heart of the person in that car and said, hand out a bottle of water and a $20 bill. And I don't need to know Jesus' reasoning. So I, the question is, I should stop judging that, but I've struggled. I'm just being transparent with you, okay? I've struggled about people on street corners. Do they really want to be well? And Jesus is asking the question, do you want to be well? Do you really want to be well? Because maybe you're compensating. Maybe, maybe you're making excuses, and yeah, you're discouraged, but are you just simply used to being where you are And I believe the Spirit of God today may be asking people, do you really want to be well? Do you really want to be out of debt? Because for some of us, shopping is your drug of choice. You know? You may may say you want it, but your actions say something different. Do you really want to be out of debt? Do you really want to be free from addiction that has held you hostage for years. Because some people, frankly, are comfortable in the known. We're more comfortable in the known uncomfortable than we would be in the unknown uncomfortable. Do you really want to find healing in a relationship? Do you really want to be made well? Because you can only truly help someone who really, really wants help. You're not going to change anything that someone else is willing to tolerate until your desire becomes bigger than your disability. You're just not going to find that healing. And Jesus asked this question, do you want to be well? Now, if your answer to that truly is yes, then I need you to hear these words because I, I just know that the Lord has, wants to say, and I'm here to some, today to say, say to people, no matter how long you have been down, With the power of Christ, you're not done. You need to hear that today. 
no matter how long you've struggled with this, no matter how long you've been discouraged, no matter how long you've been in bondage to something, when the presence and the power of Jesus Christ comes into your circumstances, you are not done. You're not. That which you gave up on a long time ago is still possible in the presence and in the power of Jesus. I don't care if it's been three months, three years, or 30 years, the presence, with the presence and the power of Jesus, it's still possible. So I just want to encourage you. And here's what's possible. Those things, that, that issue, which maybe today is your greatest ministry, can become your area of your greatest ministry. It really does. I, I, I know lots of people that are sitting in this room today who've had an area of major struggle in their lives, and as they overcame it, it became an area of ministry to other people around them because they understand, they empathize, they know they've been there, and that's you. And I, I, I pray that this is speaking to some people in this room today because I think there's some things that are holding some of us down, holding us back, and we've been miserable because of it. But then when the power of God comes in and makes a difference, then it gives you this place and you become the greatest evangelist in that area of ministry. You say, hey, God healed my back. Let me pray for yours. God healed my marriage. Let me pray with you guys and spend time and care for you. And God healed my cancer. And people who have become hopeless because of the words spoken over them in a doctor's office can find hope that Jesus wants them to hold. Or God help me overcome my fear, or you know, because you're going to realize that that overcoming didn't happen because of what you did on your own, but it happened because of the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. And and the risen Jesus comes on the scene with this guy, and here's what he says: He says, "No one will help me get into the water." And Jesus looks at this guy, verse eight, and he says, "It says then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk.'" Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Get up. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And notice that Jesus heals this guy supernaturally. I noticed three things here. First off, this guy didn't ask to be healed. He didn't even ask. He didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. And here's the big thing. This healing did not happen in the way the guy thought it was going to happen. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Jesus did something for this guy that he didn't even ask him to do. And this, this is one of a million really important reasons why it's so big a deal for me to say to you, it's so important for you to press into relationship with Jesus. Not just salvation, but press into relationship with him. Because, because as we press into Jesus, as, as, as we get to know God and to know his son, his character, he'll start doing things we didn't even ask him to do. He'll start bringing into your, in, into your life healing in areas of your life that you weren't even asking. The areas that you didn't even know need to be healed, he'll show up like that. He'll start changing your thought processes in ways you didn't know needed to be healed. He'll bring forgiveness, he'll bring healing. Into, into your heart in areas you didn't even know need to be touched because so long ago you have sealed them over. And when you're close to Jesus, he does things for us that we don't even know to ask him to do. And notice that this guy didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. Jesus didn't heal this guy because he was good. 
Jesus healed this guy because Jesus is good. And that's just God's grace. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't be good enough for it. You can't work your way to get it. He gives us all kinds of blessings that just can't hardly be measured because of his grace, because of his goodness, because of his forgiveness. And the third thing is, you notice that this guy, he got his healing, and it didn't come in a way that he thought it would. You know, as long as I get in the water first, I'll be the one that gets healed. Healing didn't come through the water. Some of you are searching for your healing in a very specific and particular way. And God's not going to give you your healing in that particular way. You're searching in the water, and it's going to come in some other way. It may not come through the water. You're in financial trouble. You keep buying lottery tickets. I want to tell you right now, it's not going to come through lottery tickets. Okay? You expect it one way, and... God is going to bring you this blessing. He's going to bring you this healing. He's going to bring you some sort of transformation. It's going to come in a way that you weren't expecting it. That's the power and the love of our God. Jesus says to him, get up and pick up your mat and walk. I don't mean to be terse, but it could be read that what Jesus is essentially saying to this guy is, this isn't about your excuses. I don't want to hear your excuses. Get up and walk. Step out in faith. Don't tell me what you can't do. Don't tell me what you won't do. Don't tell me what other people won't do for you. I just want to see you stand up in faith. And I will do for you what you can't do for yourself. But I want to see your face. For 38 years, you've not been able to walk. You've not been able to trust. You've not been able to break this habit. I want to see you step away from the familiar. Because the familiar can become our greatest obstacle to faith. And you have to have faith to stand up when your legs don't work. When they're not capable of supporting you. I think this is going to speak to somebody because somebody here is going to take a step of faith to overcome a problem that you gave up on years ago. And I don't know what it'll look like for you, you know. Maybe you'll drop your cigarettes in the garbage can on the way out of church. You won't be the first person to have done that here. I've had people tell me, come to me after church, say, hey, you need to know, months ago, after service one day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and in the garbage can went my cigarettes, and the desire was gone. And I, I think that's wonderful. You, you, may, you may need to confess something to a close Christian friend, um, a challenge that you need help with. Maybe, maybe you'll leave here and you're going to go check yourself into rehab after church. I, you know, I don't know or you're going to call a counselor. But it's going to take a very significant step of faith for some of us. Because, frankly, if some small tweak would fix this problem for you, you're smart people. You would have done the tweak a long time ago. It's going to be a significant step. And God is going to touch you and you're going to take this Step of faith. And for some of you, you are going to experience your healing today in this room before you get out the door. I really believe that. And I I believe for some of you, you are going to experience healing, but it's going to be today is the first step on a journey. Don't put God in a a box. Don't say it's only going to be in the water if I'm first. That's why I wanted to open the message today by saying there will be people, people up here in front who will pray with you. I want you to know this too. God says that faith will come. 
and it comes by hearing the word of God. And through this, this, this brief time together today, the Lord is building your faith. That's not what I say. That's what God says. And some of us thought it was going to come through the water and you had no idea when you walked into church today that the presence of God was going to meet you somehow and by the power of his Holy Spirit, it was going to spark something in you and the power of God was going to lead you there. Even though you walked in today, maybe even without hope, thinking, you know, this is the way it's always going to be. Today, you're going to leave here with hope because of the risen Christ. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Do you want to overcome the addiction that's held you hostage? Do you want to be free now from fear and anxiety and worry that keeps you up at night? Do, do you want to be free of an angry spirit that maybe somehow has destroyed most of the, the most important relationships your whole life? Do you, do you want to overcome the inability to trust people and then begin to have intimacy again? like you should. Do you want to be made well? Because God isn't just going to help someone who needs help. He helps someone who wants help. Do you want to be made well? I know some of you have been facing something for a very long time, but as you spend more time with Christ, he's going to do things for you and in you that only he can do. And there are some things that only you can do, that step of faith, and it takes faith to leave the familiar. Now, I was really tentative about bringing up the street corner question, the cardboard sign, because I really believe good, loving, godly people have that same dilemma. And some of you have the gift of mercy here, and you can't help but roll down the window and hand some sort of help out. Do it. If that's what God has put on your heart, then do it. If you feel like you're supposed to keep your window up, then don't you dare drive past them without praying, Lord, invade this circumstance. This dear soul needs something. I'm apparently not your vessel today, but don't let your heart become hard. Even if you feel like they're ripping people off, don't let your heart become hard. Don't let that affect your heart. Back to us. I really believe that God wants to help you and, and yet you have to want to receive his help. You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. I know with all my heart that God brought people here today that want to be well. I want to tell you, he can heal you starting today. Let's pray. God, I pray that that it's your power that will invade our circumstances. And, and I thank you, God, that your love cannot be measured. It's so deep. And that you had thought about today for some people a long, long time ago, thinking this will be the day of deliverance. This will be the day of restoration. This will be the day of healing. This will be the day I plant hope that will not leave. God, I, I, I thank you that today you are meeting your children, meeting us where we need to be met. I pray, God, for, um, for hope to rise up in our hearts. I pray, God, for faith to be built in our hearts. I pray, God, for discouragement to be dismissed. I pray, God, for brokenness to be made whole. I pray for, Lord, 
people that will be in the next few moments seeking out healing, I pray, God, for cancers to wither and die. Yes. I pray for hearts to be made to pump correctly. I pray for hearts to be made open to, to relationships where there have been fractures. I pray, Lord, for faith in finances. I pray, Lord, for faith to overcome addictions. And in the name of Jesus, I, I would compel every hellishness to now be removed in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, where there have been the, the, the tendrils and, the, and the, the claws of hell that would attach and cause addictions to not be releasable, that in the name of Jesus, their power would be diminished and broken by the name and by the blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray for faith to rise up in this room today. So Lord, as your children come to you this day, I pray that God, they would see your hand and that in just those few moments of your presence, that we would be made whole in Jesus' name.